Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast, the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in again to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and I am really glad that you are here today. And I just want to share a quick message from my heart to you before we dive into a pretty heavy science-based topic today. If you are listening right now, if you're tuned into this and you have a deep desire to take control of your health and finally reach your fat loss goals, if you are someone who has been frustrated for a long time or failed over and over I get where you're at. I've been where you're at. And I want you to know that what you want in your heart, that deep desire, it is possible. And it does not require perfection. I just want you to do one thing today that will help you reach your goals. And listening to this podcast, unfortunately, does not count. Why? Because information does not equal action. And action is required for progress. Perfection isn't required, but action is. And sometimes we get so hung up on information, we read, we listen, we study, we plan, we repeat the process, we change the plan, but we don't act. And if we do act, we don't act consistently. So you don't have to do 100 things, but you do need to do one thing and you need to do it consistently. So do that today, okay? And then do it again tomorrow, and do it again the next day, and you will reach your goals. It doesn't require massive change, it just requires consistent change. You'll get there, you will, and I'm here to help you get there. But I just wanna be clear that information and action aren't the same thing, and they won't get you the same result. So. Let's get started. Let's get rolling with some practical information. Gluten, that's what we're going to talk about today. Gluten is a major hot button in the nutrition and fitness world lately. There's lots being said about gluten, lots of debates about should you go gluten-free, should you not. Lots of people are asking me what I think about whether or not we should eliminate or reduce gluten. And we go to the grocery store and it seems like the aisles of gluten-free products are growing by the second. And I'll talk about this in a minute, but I want to emphasize that Gluten-free junk food is still junk junk food. So gluten-free cookies are still cookies and are not meant for everyday consumption. I think that we fall into the same trap with this gluten-free sticker on products that we used to with sugar-free or fat-free. Like, oh, that means it's good for me. No, it doesn't. 
Junk food is junk food, whether it has a gluten-free label, whether it has a fat-free label, whether it has a sugar-free label. So I just want to get that out there as a real strong stance that I have before we dive into it. But what is gluten and who needs to be concerned about it? Is there a benefit to removing it? What do we risk if we don't? We are going to cover all of that in today's episode, but I want to have this major disclaimer that I am just sharing information with you. I am not telling you or recommending whether you should or you shouldn't cut gluten. That is a personal decision, and here's what that needs to be based on. This is the only thing that this decision needs to be based on, and that is your body. Not on science, believe it or not, not on theory, not on other people's opinions, mine or anybody else's, but on how your body feels and reacts when you're eating gluten versus how your body feels and reacts when you're not eating gluten. Those are the only factors that matter, how your body works, how your body responds, and that is it. And I could pretty much end this episode now and leave it at that, just tell you to cut out gluten for seven days to two weeks, see how you feel, and decide from there. And we'll get into more of that and how we can do that. But for now, I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to give you some background information. So gluten is actually a protein. People associate it with carbohydrates because it is a protein found in carbohydrate products primarily. It's a protein that's found mostly, but not exclusively, in wheat, barley, rye, and a handful of other grains. Here's the thing. Due to modern food processing, it is also found in most oat products. So people feel like you can go gluten-free and still include oats, which would be true if it weren't for modern food processing. But now, most oat products do contain gluten. So we think of those products, wheat, barley, rye, oats, as as carbohydrates, and they are but they also contain about 10 to 15% protein, and most of that protein is coming from gluten. Gluten is what makes dough doughy. So if you think about like corn flour, right, and you add water to that, it's not going to be stretchy and malleable like Play-Doh-ish, right? But if you take a flour that has gluten in it and you add water, it will become very doughy. Gluten is what gives it that doughy, stretchy, elastic quality before baking or processing. And I'm going to call on my little inner science geek here and just go a little bit deeper into some of this what is gluten stuff, but we'll come out of the science here in just a couple seconds and get into some really practical stuff. There are two different families of proteins that make up gluten. Both of them are G words. We've got three G words in this scenario. We're talking about gluten and the proteins that are components of gluten One is called gliadins, and the other is called glutenins. They both sound kind of like gladiator to me. I like to make these little mental word association games in my head. It helps me remember who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. These are actually the bad guys. They are bad fighters. They trigger an immune reaction in your body. They trigger inflammation. They are not friendly proteins. And because of this, more than a third of the population is sensitive to gluten. And I'm not talking about celiac disease, that's about 1% of the population, that's a much more severe reaction, but about a third of the population has noticeable sensitivities, meaning they feel or experience something that they can recognize when they're exposed to gluten, and this manifests in a number of different ways. 
It can be um, a mild reaction, headache, stomach discomfort. Some people experience acne, mood swings, bloating, joint pain, fatigue, or menstrual irregularities, right? But then there's a whole nother class of people that might be having symptoms when they introduce gluten, but they don't feel any physical manifestation or they're just so used to it that they don't associate it with gluten or they just think it's how they are, it's what they've experienced, it's the way they've always been, right? There's been a lot of research, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So if you're looking for specific citations, if you want to get deeper into the nitty-gritty of the science behind this, you can go over to the show notes page at primalpotential.com. If you search the keyword gluten, the show notes page will, will pop up, and I will include the links to some of this research, right? But Lots of research demonstrates that when you consume gluten, gluten-containing foods, you increase the concentration in your body of an enzyme called zonulin. Zonulin. Now, zonulin, which is increased when we have exposure consumption of gluten, is in charge of your intestinal permeability. So we're talking about our intestines and we're talking about how easily things get through there, pass through the, the walls of our intestines. Now, if something gets through those intestinal walls that isn't supposed to, that is bad news for your health. And when we have higher levels of zonulin, which we do when we're consuming gluten, more stuff is getting through those intestinal barriers than should. All right. And when stuff gets through there that shouldn't, our body launches a counterattack. Hey, this shouldn't be here. This is a bad guy. Go get it. Elevated levels of zonulin are associated with higher incidences of autoimmune diseases. Right. These diseases of the immune system are are originating from this intestinal permeability, stuff getting through that shouldn't get through in our body launching a counterattack and gluten consumption increases zonulin. Autoimmune diseases are currently the third highest cause of death in the United States. And I'm not saying that gluten is causing all of these autoimmune diseases on its own, but there's no denying that it is, in fact, a factor for many people. And again, I'm going to link to this research over on the show notes page on primalpotential.com in case you want to dive more into it. I'm also going to link to a specific study from the New England Journal of Medicine that lists out 55 known diseases which have been specifically linked to gluten consumption. And these are diseases from heart disease, cancer, Hashimoto's, IBS, and many more, 55 to be specific. So I'll link to that over on the show notes page at primalpotential.com. You can search the keyword gluten. So in gluten-sensitive individuals, and again, this is not people who have full-blown celiac disease, but people who are just sensitive to gluten consumption, they have a noticeable reaction when they introduce gluten to their system. Exposure to gluten can decrease blood flow to areas of your brain, specifically to the frontal and the prefrontal cortex. Now, these are areas of the brain that allow you to focus, that allow you to manage your emotions, that help you to plan and organize, that help you to understand the consequences of your actions. So clearly avoiding gluten, if you're celiac or if you're gluten sensitive, can have a major impact, not just on your overall health, but on your cognitive function and your abilities. And this is actually 
a big area of research looking at why people with autism or ADHD see such improvements when they remove gluten from their diets, right? Because including gluten in gluten-sensitive individuals slows the blood flow to these areas of the brain that are in charge of focus and emotional management, planning and organizing, understanding cause and effect of of the actions and uh, things that we do throughout the day. This is powerful stuff, right? Of course, it would be huge for someone with autism or ADHD, but really with anybody that has trouble focusing or that's experiencing mood swings or having trouble with prioritization, things like that. Now, celiac disease is a whole nother ballgame. Celiacs account for about 1% of the population, and they have a very severe reaction when they consume gluten. There's a whole nother segment of the population, and it's tough to estimate And this population is sensitive to gluten, right? Because we said about a third of the population is what we call gluten sensitive. 1% is celiac. But there's this whole other group that is sensitive to gluten but doesn't know that they are because they don't necessarily feel the reaction in their body or they're not identifying it as related to gluten. And how do we know this segment exists? Because when people do elimination diets, when they cut gluten out, they notice huge improvements in their health resolution to issues that either they've had forever or that they didn't know that they had until they went through this elimination. Improvements in um, focus, skin health, energy, fat loss, uh, hormonal balance, infertility, things like that. You might be wondering, and I know I did for sure, why it seems like gluten is all of a sudden a problem. Like, is this just another trend or fad? Like, why are we, you know, if it was never a problem before, why is it a problem all of a sudden? Well, it's really about how much more we are exposed to gluten, right? If we look at how our diets have changed over the last 20, 30, 40 years with the advent and our exposure to processed foods, it's huge because gluten is in almost all processed foods. And those have become a staple in the the standard. American diet. It didn't used to be that way, right? 20, 30, 40 years ago, processed foods were not the standard, right? You could look back over a couple of days of eating and not have consumed anything that was processed. Plus, grains, the structure of grains and how grains are grown and how they are processed has really changed. Food chemists are always looking for ways to increase shelf life, palatability, plasticity, and things like that. And that's why we're seeing a 400% increase in the presence of celiac disease in just the last decade or so because our exposure and our total consumption of gluten-containing foods is through the freaking roof. Now, when we consider the question, Should I cut gluten? Should I not? There's a couple of factors at play here. One of those is health and the other is fat loss, right? Both are very important because the healthier you are, the easier fat loss becomes. But that's not to say that you can't achieve fat loss while eating some foods that aren't on, you know, the healthy end of the spectrum. Bottom line is this. Gluten is not a healthy food. It's just not. But you also know that I'm not a fan of going all in to behavior change because I don't think that it is sustainable. So if you are balanced hormonally, right, if you are feeling steady energy throughout the day, if you are not experiencing chronic hunger, if you're not experiencing cravings, and your overall 
healthy, you don't have health conditions that you're trying to resolve, and you're burning fat while eating a moderate amount of gluten-containing foods, I'm not going to tell you to change anything. Now, your body will adapt and you will get to the point where results are harder to come by and cutting back on gluten-containing foods is a great place to start. But when we're just looking from the perspective of fat loss, we have to consider where am I at right now and is it working? There was a long time in my fat loss journey where I was consuming foods that had gluten, but I was making so many other improvements that I was balancing my hormones and I was burning fat. And so I didn't feel the need to take on the world at that time. Now, as my body adapted, as I got a uh, more balanced hormonal profile, I had to make further adjustments to continue making the progress in terms of fat loss that I wanted to make. Now, I do avoid gluten, not 100% of the time, but probably 90% of the time. So it's not a race. I don't want to advocate, oh yeah, if you want to be successful, if you want to be healthy, if you want to lose weight, you've got to cut out gluten right now. Because at the end of the day, if it's not a sustainable approach, it doesn't matter, right? You have to do it in a way that is sustainable to you. So I encourage you that if you have adopted a change that you're currently working on making and it's getting you progress, it's getting you results and you're feeling better, stick with it. Don't worry about all of this stuff right now. You can get to it later. But if you feel like you're doing everything right and you're not making progress and you're still consuming gluten, it might be a great thing to try. One thing I want to emphasize as it relates to the fat loss side of the equation is that gluten-containing foods, generally speaking, in most cases are carbohydrates and they are more of the processed foods, right? Those will raise your blood sugar and therefore elicit an insulin response that is going to impair fat burning, right? So that's how this plays into the fat loss side of the equation. But if again, if you're minimizing these gluten-containing foods and you're getting fat loss results, bravo, keep doing what you're doing. Eventually, you might want to clean things up and work towards eliminating gluten. From a health standpoint, I have a stronger, slightly different point of view. Now, keep in mind, if Fat loss is an important part of health. So if you're on your fat loss journey and you're making progress and you're occasionally um, incorporating foods that have gluten, I don't need you to change anything. You've got to listen to your body and you've got to know what's working for you. I would rather have you take a more moderate approach that you can sustain over the long term and lose those 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 pounds than go, oh my gosh, I need to cut gluten today. And you go all in for two weeks and then you're totally burnt out. You've zapped all your willpower. You throw up, you know, you, you throw in the towel, you give up and you go back to your old patterns. I don't want that for anybody. But I do, you know, want to make sure that I talk about some of the health implications that you might not feel, notice, or realize when it comes to gluten, just so that you have an understanding of the big picture, knowing full well that maybe you won't make these changes until a little bit further down the line when you're more comfortable with your fat loss protocol, okay? So I, I wish I could see your faces right now and like grab your cheeks and say, are we on the same page? I am not telling you to go full bore gluten-free today if that is not a sustainable, maintainable, achievable habit for you. All right, I, I want to make sure that that's like super, super, super clear. We've talked before about inflammation and how inflammation is damaging to the body. It diverts our body's resources to go and respond to the damage this inflammation causes, right? Right. 
The problem is when we eat things that are pro-inflammatory, that initiate inflammation in the body, every time we put our fork to the mouth, we're repeating the damage. It's like getting punched in the face, right? Once is pretty bad, but then the healing process starts. But what if like three, four, five, six, 12 times a day, you're getting nailed in the face, right? Bam, bam, bam. Not only will that damage never heal, but what could have been a minor problem is creating a major problem. And you're worsening the damage. Is worsening a word? It is now. Anyway, you're making it worse every time you get hit. And that's what you're doing to your body when you eat pro-inflammatory foods. Now, gluten is a pro-inflammatory food, but it's not the only one. It's not the only one. So I don't want to be like picking on gluten. I don't know why I care. It's not like gluten has feelings. Maybe it does. I don't know. What do I know? I'm not God. Anyway, so you might not feel this inflammation. And that's what's scary to me. Like, I think that the people that are obviously gluten sensitive or celiacs are almost fortunate in a way, right? Because they're going to eat something with gluten and they're going to go, oh gosh, I got to avoid that stuff because I feel like garbage, right? But what about the rest of us? And I fall into this camp where I didn't know that gluten was creating these negative reactions in me. So to me, it's scarier for the folks who maybe don't feel anything, Because somebody who's celiac is going to consume gluten and bam, they know, they stop. But for those of us who aren't tuned into the inflammatory reactions in our body or it's not severe enough to notice, we just keep reintroducing the damage multiple times each day, sometimes dozens of times each day. Where will we be 10 years from now? What is happening internally as a result of this chronic inflammation that we just can't feel yet? Remember that inflammation is the starting point for just about every disease that we know of. So I, I, you know, I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm not. And I don't know what's happening inside your body or my body. I just know when I cut out gluten, right, when I did this seven-day elimination, I noticed improvements in all these areas. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if I just continued down this path another 30 years doing this damage over and over and over and over and over and not knowing it. So I just want that to be on your radar. And I want to emphasize too, that gluten is not the only pro-inflammatory food out there. So I just want to be fair. All right. So some people avoid gluten for health reasons and others avoid gluten to accelerate their fat loss goals. And I want to emphasize a few of the ways that gluten consumption can impact fat loss. So if you're considering elimination as a, something that will help you get towards your fat loss, I want to go over just a few ways that gluten consumption impacts fat loss. So gluten can lead to or increase insulin resistance. And you'll remember from previous podcasts, and I'll link to them in the show notes, insulin is like the master fat loss hormone. Insulin resistance creates hunger, cravings, and accelerates fat storage. Insulin is one of the most important hormones in the fat loss process. It can work for you or against you, and consuming gluten allows insulin to fight against you and your fat loss efforts. Another hormonal implication of gluten consumption is that it encourages leptin resistance. Leptin, you'll remember from previous episodes, is the hormone responsible for letting your brain know when you're full and don't need to eat any more. Gluten encourages your body not to be as responsive to the messages coming from leptin, which is going to lead to an insatiable appetite and overall deafness to those satiety signals or those feelings of I'm full. 
To successfully lose fat, of course, you want your body to be very sensitive to leptin signals so that you keep hunger at bay and you can easily feel satisfied after eating. I mentioned this earlier, but one other factor is that gluten-containing foods are going to raise your blood sugar, right? Because gluten-containing foods are generally high carbohydrate. This leads to rapid surges in blood sugar and associated insulin spikes and this vicious cycle of carb cravings, energy crashes, and worse, fat storage. So staying out of this cycle is what you need to do to avoid these carbohydrate bombs and these gluten-containing foods. And then lastly, and I just talked about this, gluten triggers inflammation. And inflammation does have a role in fat loss because it causes a stress response in your body. And these stress hormones do not favor fat loss. It gets you back into this cycle of cravings, energy crashes, fat storage. You want to stay out of this cycle. Inflammation is a concern for overall health, but also it makes fat loss way more challenging. And as I said at the beginning, if you want to know if you're sensitive to gluten, an easy way to do that is just to eliminate it for 7 to 14 days and see how your body responds. After that period, introduce it very slowly, like one thing here or there, and pay attention to changes in your mood, your energy, your water retention, your workout performance, how your joints feel, your skin health, your mental clarity, whether or not you're bloated, all of that kind of stuff. Common symptoms that people will experience when they're exposed to gluten, um, especially after eliminating it for a while, are going to be bloating, fatigue, rashes or acne, uh, constipation, gas, diarrhea, mood swings. So whether you think that you have a sensitivity or you're unsure, I think that there is a strong benefit to eliminating it for a week or two and paying attention to how you feel. If you feel amazing and better than you have in a while, Keep it gone, right? Pay attention. Does it accelerate your progress to your fat loss goals? If that's the only change that you make, are you losing more fat? Are you less hungry? Are you experiencing fewer cravings? Let that be the indicator and the only indicator that matters of whether or not gluten has a place in your diet. Now, a lot of people are very unclear on what foods do or don't contain gluten, and it can be really, really, really tricky. And I'm going to put a list of common foods containing gluten up on the show notes page at primalpotential.com. Just search the keyword gluten. But it is hiding in a lot of things. Now, the easiest way to cut out most of it, and this is not a surefire approach, but it's sort of like a simple rule, is to eliminate wheat and wheat products. And the best way to do that is going to be to stay away from processed foods. Now, again, that's not a hard and fast rule, but it will make a massive difference in your consumption of an exposure to gluten. So just a quick list of some of the things that do contain gluten, barley, most beers, uh, bran products, anything that's breaded or fried, broths and soups, brown rice syrup, which is a common sweetener in processed foods, um, the coating of a lot of candies, couscous, of course, any breads, pastas, things like that, anything that comes from a dough, think about it that way. Processed lunch meats and sausages, uh, panko breadcrumbs, most canned sauces, soy sauce, any wheat products. And you're probably thinking, well, geez, what doesn't, right? I mean, because there are a lot of unexpected places where gluten is hiding. Grain alcohols, cosmetics, salad dressing, your fried foods. So if you want to, like I said, a general overarching rule of thumb, a good place to start is just to cut out 
processed foods and wheat products, right? Or anything that comes from a dough. Um, but what does that leave you with? Eggs, meat, fish, poultry, game meats, dairy products, vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, fats, oils. We're kind of back to this primal way of eating, right? Go figure. When I mean, that that is a very healthy way to eat and a way to avoid a lot of these anti-nutritive, pro-inflammatory foods and ingredients. So I, I want to get back to another point that I made at the beginning, a word of warning. Don't just go to the freaking gluten-free aisle and be like, oh, gluten-free brownies, gluten-free cereal, gluten-free pretzels, gluten-free popcorn, whatever. Just because it says gluten-free, if it's processed, it shouldn't be an everyday food. If it comes in a bag, a box, a can, it shouldn't be an everyday food. There is a lot of junk food out there, gluten-free junk food and gluten-containing junk food. Junk food is still junk food, whether it's gluten-free or not. So as we wrap up, I want to emphasize that first and foremost, If you are feeling fantastic and you are making progress, from my perspective, don't change anything. Eventually, your body will adapt. And at that point, it might make a lot of sense to consider reducing or removing gluten. If you are not making progress, if you are not feeling well, if you are not satisfied with your energy levels, if you're struggling with cravings, if you have a hormonal challenge, if you have any health condition, if you have a weird skin condition, then I would recommend that you go ahead and try a week to two weeks of gluten elimination and remove it completely. And you can check out on primalpotential.com, search the keyword gluten to see and get a little refresher of what foods contain gluten and what foods don't usually contain gluten, and just do it and try it and see, and then slowly, if you want to, I mean, if you feel amazing after removing it, don't bother trying to add it back in. It's pretty clear what you've done, but then slowly add it back in and see how you feel, right? That's just a great way to start. And I'm going to link to a lot of the research on the show notes page too, because, you know, don't, I'm just one person. Don't take my word for it. You can certainly read the research, but most importantly, I beg you, beg you, beg you, pay attention to your own body, how you feel, how you react. And if you're thinking, well, I mean, I feel pretty good. I don't think I have a problem with it. Consider how you might feel. You don't know if you've been eating gluten for so long, you don't know how amazing you could feel without it. So just be open to that. You don't need to take it on right now. You don't need to take it on next month. But just be open to what might happen and how you might notice improvements uh, if you were to make that change. So I hope this was helpful. This is a topic a lot of you wanted to hear about. I really do hope that I presented some information that can help you make a more educated decision about what to do about gluten. If you have more questions, you guys know I love hearing from you. Reach out to me. You can email me. You can catch up with me on the Primal Potential Fat Loss Facebook page. You can find me on Instagram. I think I'm Elizabeth Benton over there which makes sense because I'm Elizabeth Benton. Funny how that works. Anyway, um, I hope this was helpful. I love hanging out with you. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And until next time, stay healthy.